0: Hi, friends. You're listening to Midlife Plot Twists. I'm your host, Lucy Baber. This podcast is for anyone who's gotten to their 30s, 40s, or 50s and realized life isn't always as linear as we expected. Tune in monthly as I interview guests about their own midlife plot twists and hear how they've navigated all of life's unexpected twists and turns. Hi, everyone. It's Lucy Baber here, and I am talking with my partner, Scott Zielinski. Oh, I should know. <laughs> Scott and I started this conversation on the podcast back in November of 22, and we're going to do the next five of our top 10 midlife plot twists in horror movies talk, right?
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Just in case anybody didn't listen to the last one where we did the the first 5 or yeah, I don't know if it's a countdown, I guess it's we did 6 through 10 and now we're doing 1 through 5. <laughs> 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 when we talked about the first 5 in case anyone didn't catch that episode. Um Scott, can you quickly reintroduce yourself, please?
1: <laughs> yes. Uh um... <laughs> hi i'm scott i uh as as was just stated i'm lucy's partner uh of three years now and Mm um huge huge horror fan and uh yeah work at a movie theater i'm a projectionist and so and i i also write short films yeah my life is movies pretty much that's that's all i do
0: (laughs) you collect physical Uh, media lots of yes behind you
1: yeah Yeah, um that's that's my life too that's (laughs) all that i I buy lots of lots of physical media i think games and records and but mostly movies and uh yeah that's pretty much what my money goes towards
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay cool so and just as a reminder you do not qualify as being in midlife yet so correct that's why we're talking about movies and not yes realize. i'm
1: only 32
0: you uh according to this podcast you will count as in midlife once you hit 35 but we don't need to go too oh, deep good. in that <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh one day <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so just as a recap our last episode we talked about midlife plot twists in horror movies and we discussed Shaun of the dead Serial Mom, uh, Ladies Club, H2O, Halloween H2O, and Hereditary. Yes. Also, we did not do a video recording of that one. So I'm looking at my list right now and realizing I'm just like looking down. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so here's the format for how we're going to talk about each movie. Uh, first, we'll do a quick summary of the movie because I don't think most of these are deep cuts, but a couple of them are. The one There were a couple deep cuts in the first one, too, so not everyone mm-hmm. knows about these movies. I even heard from somebody that doesn't like horror movies that they just enjoyed listening to the episode because... We talked about it, but they didn't actually have to watch the movies because they were too oh, scared.
1: Yeah? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. That's true. That's where the, the go-between, I guess, for people who don't like horror movies.
0: Yeah. So, um, even if you're not a big horror fan, we can talk about the movies and tell you uh, what we took away from it without you having to hide behind the covers and have nightmares. <laughs> um, and some of these are, like, sci-fi horror. So... Maybe we'll tell you if it's not too scary. But yeah. um so we'll talk about body what... horror. That's true. There of... this yeah the second half of the Especially list is one. a lot of body horror. Okay, so we'll talk about what the movie's about. What was the midlife plot twist? Why did we think it qualified for this list? Um, what's the outcome of that midlife plot twist? So there will be spoilers. We're just gonna like say that up front. Um if you don't want your movie spoiled maybe skip the part where we talk about the outcome of each movie. <laughs> yeah. If you,
1: if you, if you want to watch these movies, don't listen to this. That's <laughs>
0: <laughs> Or if you need spoilers in order to be brave enough to watch the movies, that's okay too.
1: Yeah. And all, each of these movies are still great despite spoilers. That's yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the last question for each movie is was the outcome redemptive? Did the, person having the midlife plot twist find some bigger meaning or did they just go all the way into their darker impulses so the first movie that we're going to talk about today is the fly yay and this is david cronenberg's the fly remake that we're talking about specifically the one with jeff goldblum Scott, do you want to talk about the fly? I would love to that? talk about the fly. <laughs> <laughs> all day, every day. Um, yes.
1: <laughs> this will just be all about the fly. <laughs> so yeah, the, the fly is yeah, a nineteen eighty-six remake of the nineteen fifty-eight Vincent Price movie, um, about a, a scientist who is trying to he's trying to come up with a teleportation device to like so we don't have to worry about traveling anymore and it's yeah teleportation will like change everything so that's his like his life's work and um so he uh he's so he's very ambitious and impulsive and uh he yeah it's like not working out for him he's running a lot of uh roadblocks he um he makes these two pods you get in one pod and it dematerializes you and then Rematerial, rematerialize in the next pod uh and um so that's the teleportation and that's how that works and you have to be like completely naked to go through like it can only be living tissue uh because it puts you back together and so after one night of drinking he like figures it out and and he, he's just like sick of all the roblox and he has to use animals and um it's not the same as using humans but but anyway so he he, he goes into the pod to like test himself on it and he doesn't realize that a fly is in the pod with him and he rematerializes in the other pod and it works uh teleportation works and he uh slowly begins to transform into a into a fly and that's yeah that's the <laughs> setup
0: <laughs> okay so thank you for that so You're his welcome. life work <laughs> is lab-based research Sciencey experiment, sciencey science experiment stuff. <laughs> what would you say is the midlife plot twist?
1: When your uh, life's work has gone wrong. Okay. Everything he's worked towards, it's, it's his entire life, it's his whole life is his work. And it, yeah, it just ends up blowing up in his face.
0: Yeah. I would say it might also, like, yes, and it might also be like, the frustration of not having arrived yet. Like, he Mm. starts, he puts himself in it. That wasn't his original plan, right? His original plan was working with the animals, going bigger and bigger. Probably once he got to the human part, he was going to, like, not do himself, because that's not very scientific.
1: Yeah, they, like, weren't approving of what he was doing, or, like, the ethics or whatever because he like was using baboons and it like turned a baboon inside out when it transported it and it's and yeah and he's like oh this can't be done right unless we go to human trials and there's he's getting a lot of pushback or whatever
0: yeah so he just kind of like loses it and um Mm
1: -hmm. it's very obsessive
0: yeah yeah even he
1: gets drunk one night and he picks up a a sex worker and and tries to put her into the pod
0: I forgot about at that at one point.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well that's after he already tested on him after he's already flying and uh <laughs> or, and uh yeah he he like cuz it messes with his brain and and he like comes psychotic but it's like that was already kind of there he's so obsessive and it just yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would yeah, I would say there's like kind of a two-part midlife plot twist though because the, yeah he's so obsessed so fixated and he's really kind of feeling like i should have arrived by now i'm just going to like kind of hurry the process along and then he introduces a new midlife plot twist in that hey i'm turning into a fly <laughs> <laughs> yeah I
1: guess yeah. His well
0: the fly part is actually maybe the outcome
1: yeah like hit because it's like his body is failing as he cuz in the original movie it's it's from the 50s and you know it's it's very like pg for the most part and all the fly mm-hmm. transformation stuff is like he like wakes up and like oh my god my hand is a fly hand and and it's you know safe to to watch um but uh well throughout throughout the movie he's just like yeah his body's like falling apart he like needs two crutches at, at, like towards the end but he like metamorphosizes I, that's the word. <laughs> it's not the word. Um, <laughs> but uh, he transforms and um, yeah, and he becomes stronger as a result of that, but it it really doesn't work out for him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, no, its not. yeah, so, okay, so the outcome is he turns into a fly. he his body changes and not in a good way. He might get stronger, mm-hmm. but his brain is also turning into a fly brain <laughs> and um and he's gross and uh gina davis is is that who it is his partner yeah
1: that's the the reporter who's doing a story on him and they fall in love and yeah and as he is becoming a fly he because it's also about legacy a little bit because he knows he's not gonna live much longer and he wants a son and mm-hmm. he wants her to give him one and this is all in like the last like 20 minutes Yeah, um, but he like kidnaps her and he tries to put both of them into a pod so that they will become one and
0: yeah so he's just creating more and more problems for himself and for yeah. everyone else
1: <laughs> yeah yeah because he knows he's he's not going to last and he wants to last
0: so the fly as much as we love it as a movie, as much as we love Jeff Goldblum, was it redemptive? Did he learn his lesson?
1: He I mean, it's it's a complicated The answer
0: is no. <laughs> <laughs> because he, yeah, he doesn't <laughs> learn his lesson. That's he
1: he spares their lives uh only because he's like definitely gonna die and he wants you know he wants out and he wants them to put him out of his misery so it's yeah definitely not redemptive it doesn't it just doesn't go well for him at all it's all and it's all because of his choices
0: okay so so the hesitation that i saw on your face is not um i just want to stand up for jeff goldblum but like you're thinking maybe it was a little redemptive because eventually he does sacrifice himself
1: yeah he it's i mean
0: yeah, i mean yeah, I, because we all want to root for jeff goldblum but
1: <laughs> yeah and it's 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 a really sad ending because he because he ends up um, things go wrong when he tries to do the transformation and he becomes he ends up merging with the pod when he tra- when he transports again and he's just like got metal in him and he's like he's, his body is he's done and he Jean Davis was like defending herself. She's like holding a shotgun and she's like crying and everything and he like this fly hand <laughs> he points the shotgun barrel like at his own head and Everybody's crying.
0: Everybody's crying. Is that everybody's you?
1: (laughs) Me and Gina Davis.
0: Okay. (laughs) The soundtrack is so great. It's it's hard not to feel something. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So if redemption is sacrificing your life because you've screwed up so bad, then we can count it. But prior to that, it's not like he has a wake up call where he can like undo what he's done and just go about his normal life, which I don't know if that's how we're defining redemption, but uh, but yeah, there's no like coming back from it.
1: Yeah, no, he, be- he ends up becoming sympathetic, but not redemptive, I would say.
0: Yeah, that's, um, that's fair.
1: Yeah, because he it starts out and he's like, oh god, you know, this is terrible, but then he's also a scientist and he, he like records the whole thing because it's all part of the experiment to him and he like starts talking about like the benefits of because he's like crawling on the ceiling and 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 like he's like this is great i'm at the peak performance and (laughs) yeah he just he really just sinks further and further (laughs)
0: yeah yeah cool okay so i feel like the next one's gonna be trickier the next one on our list is suspiria Mm mm-hmm We also did not define if we were going to talk about the original or the remake. Oh. What do you want to talk about? I think I was thinking the remake.
1: I So was I. I mean, I... Okay. Because the original is one of my all-time favorite movies, but I think the remake has more to chew on thematically. A lot more, actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's not... As far as midlife in particular, there's not a lot there that's for like for characters and stuff the midlife stuff was about the remake
1: yeah 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 because okay. yeah the original follows this young dancer and you don't the, see a
0: lot of the the elders in the original yeah
1: you don't get any of like the inner workings of the coven where in the remake you get all of that
0: yeah okay so we're talking about the Suspiria remake you're so good at movie summaries I'm gonna let you do this one too oh okay <laughs>
1: So yeah, uh, Suspiria um, came out in 2018. It's a remake of a 1977 Italian horror movie, and it's well, it's less of a remake and more of the director called it a cover of the original movie because it it still has like the the bones of what that movie is, but it's just like it's so different in just like every way. So it's about this uh, young dancer from Ohio named Susie she goes to Berlin in 1977 to this dance academy to yeah, just become a dancer. And so
0: so the remake is actually set in 1977 when the original came out.
1: Yeah. Okay. And and yeah, it's set in the seventies, like in the height of like, you know, cold war Berlin wall, you know, all that. Yeah. She goes to this dance academy and she's like a really great dancer. And, one of the choreographers, Madame Blanc, played by Tilda Swinton, one of Tilda Swinton's many roles in this movie. <laughs> she's yeah, she's like Eddie Murphy in this movie. She plays everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, she takes a shine to Susie because she senses like she has talent, but it's like she's got more than that. There's something like about her and um and boiler. Um, but the whole dance academy is run by a of witches. And, and it's and it's like a matriarchal society, and uh, Madame Blanc,
0: a secret coven of witches. Like it's not yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's not like a Sabrina or something where we all know it's witches right from the start.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a totally secret coven of witches that the dancers don't even know. And um, there's a whole like power struggle thing going on between the different um, different leaders in the coven because they're they're all like at, uh, over the course of the movie they're all like they all want to appoint the next. Coven leader, and it's between Tilda Swinton or Madame Marcos and uh mm-hmm. who is like this like, disgusting decrepit witch, and everyone in the coven is kind of divided on who they support, much like you know the Berlin Wall. You know, it's an analogy. Hey. <laughs> and meanwhile, there's this old, a psychiatrist or therapist?
0: Yeah. You know, the, like the
1: only notable male character in the movie. Yeah. He's played by Tilda Swinton. <laughs> Wait,
0: and, did uh, I have realize that?
1: You didn't realize it?
0: I might not have. I, I don't remember I could have sworn now. we
1: talked about. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, she, she's under tons of makeup. And uh, yeah, and he's kind of looking into the disappearance of one of his patients. Yeah, who died early in the movie or disappeared early in the movie. So he's like looking into the coven. And so there's like investigation going on. Yeah, meanwhile... Susie is Madame Blanc's protege and there's witchy stuff going on and yeah.
0: So there's kind of like two like an, an outside and an inside plot line happening at the same time. Like on the outside, there's this dance Academy, the therapist psychiatrist guy is talking to Susie. At, is it Susie? No. Who's he talking to?
1: Mia Goth. Um
0: Oh, that's right. It, What's her character's name? Yeah, uh,
1: Sarah. I think I forget.
0: I Let's forget just call it. her Sarah. Okay. So yep. Sarah slash Mia Goth, she might not be Sarah, um, is going to this psychiatrist. He is trying to dig into this disappearance of one of his other patients, and they're also like learning how to dance, and it like it's very competitive. Dakota Johnson, not Fanning. Dakota Johnson.
1: <laughs> I almost said, yeah, Dakota Fanning. <laughs> <laughs> Dakota no.
0: Johnson is Susie, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, so Susie, Sarah, and all these other girls are competing at this dance academy. There's a big show coming up and they're all trying to get like the solo spot. Yeah, yeah, because
1: yeah, they're they're looking for a like, like someone lead. to lead to lead this big this big dance number that they have like that they're leading up to and yeah they are they're competing to see who leads it and
0: yeah yeah and so at the same time that all this is happening unbeknownst to the girls all this other witchy stuff is happening kind of behind the scenes all the their mm-hmm. teachers as far as they know are competing for the spot to lead the dance academy, um, Mm -hmm. and do more witchy things. And there's, you know, weird stuff happening in the dance academy that nobody can really explain, but, like, you see behind, us as the audience see behind the scenes that, like, oh, there's some witchy stuff happening. There are, like, whenever a girl makes a mistake or something, or, like, crosses them in some way, uh, suddenly she has these, like, horrific injuries that or like mild injuries that then lead them to like be tortured behind the scenes and the girls so the like these girls are kind of like disappearing nobody really knows what's going on but we see behind the scenes that like the witches are doing witchy stuff and it's it's bad
1: yeah and it's and like a like on the surface like like to the to the girls the the, the dancers the students they 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 you know, pretend to be very like matriarchal and everything, but like they're secretly preying on all of these women and just being total, totally awful uh, behind the scenes. And everyone is really divided because of that too. And like, like, like what you said, um, they're disappearing. And in in one case, uh, some of the students are like kind of like they, they can tell something's going on. And this one, Olga, she tries to leave they don't let her and they end up killing her in one of the like greatest death scenes ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yes, I can very... just talk about that scene for like an hour.
0: <laughs> the Fly is pretty uh pretty easy to watch if you're not a big uh gore person, but Suspiria remake if you don't like gore you probably shouldn't watch this
1: one. <laughs> yeah, Suspiria and and The Fly, both of them are pretty uh they're pretty gross. That yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think The Fly is a little bit easier Ugh. to watch. There's less blood.
1: Mm, I don't know. But
0: <laughs> maybe the, I'm a bad judge.
1: Arm, remember the arm wrestling scene in The Fly?
0: <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, gosh. I've only your seen it
1: wrestling... once. Oh, oh right. Yeah.
0: Okay. So anyway, the midlife plot twist, I would say, is, again, kind of like your life's work gone wrong. Um, essentially... Like the two witchy women, Marcos and Blanc, are battling it out after the final dance scene. It switches over into this what was it, like ritual, where in Sabbath. this like Sabbath.
1: I would call it a Sabbath, which is Sabbath.
0: Yeah. That sounds like they're resting. That's they're... well,
1: no, it's not. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's not that kind of Sabbath.
0: <laughs> so they're in this like underground. Cave space, right?
1: Yeah, and I, it's they're like a temple.
0: Yeah, and they're having this like ceremony, um and the point of the ceremony is to name the next leader. And you get a you get to see like not only are there the quote unquote like normal looking women who have been working as the teachers that we've seen this whole time. But there's also like this creepy-looking woman who is revealed to be Marcos.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And what happens down there?
1: Well, the the purpose of the ritual because they all they all vote kind of earlier in the movie, and the Marcos wins the popular vote, and so she's like appointed to be the next. Well, to continue being the leader of the coven, the whole ritual is about putting Marcos into uh, a younger body, and that is right. Susie. So she's there. So it's this whole it's this
0: she's whole there, ritual. Um, against like she's is she there conscious? Is she there against her will? She's or
1: brought she... there by this point in the movie. She like knows what's going on, and she's she and Blanc have like a witchy thing going on between them and and it I think she knows what's going on and she's not into it I I I kind of
0: thought that she didn't know what was going on but I don't that that part even though it seems like it's really pivotal is kind of blurry because there's so much more shit that's about to go on
1: yeah yeah and and they really don't hold your hand with the movie and like explain everything to you you just kind of kind of it's a lot of paying attention but also just tr- like you got to read into things to like figure out what's going on some half yeah. the time.
0: So she's um, down there. Is the therapist guy in there too?
1: Yeah, he's so the the therapist is kidnapped basically. Like they lead him to the to the dance school mm-hmm. um through trickery and um he's brought there to be their their witness. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's laying on the floor naked for the whole thing.
0: Yeah. So they they've got this like ceremony set up. They are presumably about to kill Susie or overtake her body because Marcos's body is like decrepit
1: because yeah. she's an
0: because they're all really old witches and she her body is just giving out. And so the midlife plot twist, though, before we get into like what actually happens. Is that one, like, we've we've really mostly been following Blanc, uh, Tilda Swinton, as far as, like, these characters go. She's the one that kind of gives us the most insight into the witchy stuff. And, uh, but essentially, Blanc, who has a seemingly midlife body. (laughs) Marcos, who has a really old body. We have no idea how old she is. And... So the two of them are like kind of the midlife plot twist in that they have both been waiting all these years to step into this role. Um, There's lore that is bigger than this movie that is like there are three witches or sisters?
1: Three mothers.
0: Three mothers. And they're Um, they're witches. uh, Yeah, and they... um, They predate
1: Christianity. They're like super old.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so they're they're trying to like step into the role of the three mothers. One of the three mothers, am I all? Mother, the right sus- track?
1: mother, mother, suspirium.
0: Okay. And so they they think they're this is their moment, right? Especially Tilda Swinton. Let's for the purposes of this podcast, since she is the one presenting as midlife, she's trying to become a mother. She thinks that she is it. She didn't get voted mm-hmm. in, and then. Actual plot twist in the movie: We find out that neither of them are going to step into this role as Mother Suspirium because
1: because plot twist: Susie actually is Mother Suspirium Yeah, and she's not happy with how things are going, and <laughs> and uh, has spoil it uh, has Marcos and all her followers killed. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
0: In very gruesome ways. Again, this is not an yes. easy movie to watch if you don't like gore, but it's so yeah. good.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's so great, and, and it's all set to like a soundtrack by Tom York from Radiohead, and it's all it's just such a oh my god, <laughs> it's amazing.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. Okay. So the outcome again, if we're like telling this, this one's kind of a weird pl- midlife plot twist one because Tilda Swinton is not the main character, but she was one that came to mind she has been working her whole mm-hmm. life to step into this role and instead she gets her plan gets spoiled and also she dies
1: <laughs> yeah well she they think she dies but then it turns out that it's like just just before the ending they're like cleaning up the whole like temple and then tilda swinton's head got like partially cut off and so they're like oh my god she's still alive um, oh yeah and like and the whole like she's objectively like the better choice for like to lead the next coven because she's she's nice to the students and <laughs> and she like she's like trying to help them and you know um help carry them along while blanc is just i mean no no sorry while marcos, marcos is just awful and and just has all these and all her followers are like awful and they're all preying on the women and yeah but yeah, and she's just like, she's been there. For, uh, Blanc has been there for so long, and she's just like not getting her chance. Yeah. Poor Blanc. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, okay. So was it redemptive? She didn't really even have agency within her uh, midlife plot twist. It was kind of just put onto her, like forced onto her.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she kind of gets railroaded by the system in the Coven and uh she does, you know, help out Susie, you know, cuz she she sees the potential in her. She can't put her finger on it. She doesn't know she's mother Suspirium, at least not that I can remember, but she like she knows something about her and she like lifts her up, you know, to bring her in and um yeah, but she's still very much on the sidelines. Yeah. So
0: doesn't matter if it was redemptive She wasn't a bad. She wasn't the most evil character. I guess we can say that.
1: (laughs) Yes. As far as the witches go, she's probably on the the good (laughs) side, but still not great. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So next on our list, we have both seen this movie twice, and I still feel like it's going to be hard to summarize. Next on our list is The Hunger. Yes. Do you want to take that one? Because I feel like this one's the one I'm fuzziest on
1: okay yeah i think i (laughs) yeah um so the hunger a uh 1983 uh vampire movie starring david bowie Mm -hmm. um for the first half anyway um yeah david bowie and susan sarandon and
0: and that other lady
1: yeah i cannot remember her name or who plays her i uh, i just remember I can david look bowie it up. And Susan i'll okay. look it up
0: while you talk okay
1: so david bowie and this other woman <laughs> are um are vampires and they've been they've been vampire lovers for like, like 200 years since like ancient egypt or whatever we get like flashbacks of them
0: her name hold on her name i'm gonna mispronounce it catherine Denuve. denyuve
1: mm, okay
0: we're gonna say denu
1: okay I'll just say Catherine. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: <laughs> so yeah, she and so Catherine and David Bowie are vampire lovers. They've been together for a long time. David Bowie, he was turned by her, you know, initially. So and and, uh, and they've been together ever since. And David Bowie is aging because he only has like a sort of. He's, he's not like, like a full, secondary vampire. Yeah, he's not full vampire. He's like he's like partially cursed because he's uh what do they say he he doesn't have a, eternal he had he has eternal life but not eternal youth
0: right yeah some of the vampire and, lore that we're used to is kind of twisted in this one
1: yeah yeah and so he's like rapidly aging unless he like constantly feeds and um it's a problem <laughs> so he uh <laughs> he tracks down susan sarandon because he hears that she is an expert in sleep or youth uh something or other i yeah do not remember but he yeah he goes to her for help and she, she like thinks he's crazy so she's just like isn't seeing him because yeah but he's just like aging right before her eyes so she's like oh okay yeah you got a problem
0: like um, not like aging like you and i age but like aging like five to ten years at a time within an hour
1: <laughs> yeah yeah there's a it's my favorite scene in the movie and it's like Scene I remember the most. David Bowie is sitting in this waiting room, waiting to see her, and he is just aging decades as he's waiting. And it's and it's it's just all music, like goth music. And it's and it's just him, just in his like suit and hat, and he's just like withering away in this waiting room. And I th- I think we've all been there. <laughs> um And uh yeah, she's like, "Oh my god, yeah, you need help." And he's like, "Ah, fuck you, <laughs> forget it." And he and he leaves. So he. Yeah, he's dying. He goes back to Catherine, and there's she's like, "There's nothing I can do for you." Uh, so he, she, she brings him up to her attic, and she puts him in a box with all of her other lovers who have suffered the same fate. Just to just, it's it's like a living death,
0: mm-hmm. where they're
1: they're just they're just bones just in agony, just in boxes in this attic, and it's amazing, and <laughs> and so. That's yeah, and David Bowie basically leaves the movie, and um,
0: and then there's like multiple midlife plot twists because his midlife plot twist leads to him being put in a box. But then enter Susan Sarandon, who in all reality is probably in her 20s in this movie, but <laughs> yeah. everybody in the 80s looked like they were in midlife, so
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, Susan Sarandon and Catherine meet and they form a relationship. And uh, I guess they they fall in love, right? Yeah, Um, because vampires can do
0: whatever they want and love whoever they want, suck whoever's blood that
1: they want. Exactly. (laughs) This is probably the most erotic vampire movie.
0: Yeah, (laughs) very queer friendly, very like yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And it's I mean there there are other there are so many other vampire movies that have more sex in them, but this is just steamy sweaty <laughs> erotic vampire <laughs> nonsense yeah they they fall in love and
0: yeah we we understand that like Susan Sarandon is the new David Bowie in her life
1: yeah yeah and like Susan Sarandon she's married and she like her husband is like accusing her of like where have you been during you know these hours and and yeah Susan Sarandon doesn't want to be a vampire but she wants to be with Catherine, and and she becomes like a vampire I kind of the, the ending I kind of gets the middle kind of gets fuzzy for me. I kind of forget some of it. Well uh... she's
0: she's wrestling with it and her husband's trying Mm -hmm. to save her. And we're already pissed at Catherine's character because we know that she we know the end already, right? Like we know this isn't gonna end well for Susan Sarandon. Um Mm -hmm. because we just saw all the other people in the boxes. So it's like you're not actually getting eternal life. And susan sarandon's character i don't know how much she catches on to that fact well she already knows because she just dealt with david bowie so she knows that this doesn't end well for her and so she essentially takes matters into her own hands and has gets her gets hers by the end
1: yeah yeah and and all of her all of uh catherine's former vampire lovers get theirs a bit too <laughs> yeah, yeah so
0: when they when again because we're doing spoilers when when susan sarandon kills Catherine's character because mm-hmm. there is a way to kill her
1: she kills her but pretty much just she sentences Catherine to the same fate as Catherine's lovers where she's just kept right
0: right okay so she's a living death she like she finds some way to, like, become more powerful than Catherine's character. Then Catherine starts aging. And um, what's... Sorry. What is Catherine's character's name? Because we should actually... Catherine Denuve. Her name is Miriam in okay. the movie. So there's Miriam. There's John, who is played by David Bowie. And there's Sarah, who is played by Susan Sarandon. So, um, anyway, Miriam's character dies and um or like goes into the the room with all the boxes and basically mm. she's just left to face all of her former lovers and they're all pissed and they all like attack her and presume yeah they like, all torture come out her and... for forever yeah yeah so so there's i would say three midlife plot twists and when it's when we're dealing with things like witches and vampires Midlife can be a lot more loosely defined. (laughs) Um, So David Bowie, John, has his midlife plot twist that he ages very quickly, thought he would be a vampire forever, and uh, that doesn't pan out. Catherine Danube, Miriam's character, thinks that she's really going to live forever and thinks that she's like the most powerful and she's never going to have to go up to the box room. (laughs) the attic or whatever it is Uh, the box room (laughs) yeah up in the storage just kidding she also has to like live out her days there Susan Sarandon's character she thought she was going to live a nice little quiet human life and now she does not get that either she gets to be bad vampire in charge for a while
1: yeah I, I kind of yeah I don't remember the ending too well, but I seem to recall she ends up becoming human again towards the end. Like she get a blood transfusion or something because oh, they, they do blood they do blood work on her earlier, and they're like, "Yeah, you got something in your blood that's off." And the husband's like, "What's going on?" And
0: maybe that, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we should say that um, she lives. This movie, even though we've seen it twice, is so hard to explain because it's not like a linear plot where like they hand you all the details it's it's more like mm-hmm. watching an extended music video where yeah. you just kind of have to infer like oh this is happening now but it's it my memory of the hunger again after having watched it twice is that they're all just kind of hanging out in these like dreamscape rooms with lots of like billowy curtains flowing <laughs> yeah and, and who knows it's... what's going on or like if they're not in the billowy curtain room they're um at like a goth rave or something yeah <laughs> like it, it's not clear-cut you do have to kind of infer a lot from what they give you but mm-hmm. who cares it's very it's
1: very dreamlike
0: yeah it's david bowie and it's amazing
1: yeah it's uh, it's just the coolest vampire movie
0: <laughs> yeah Yeah. Yeah. So the question was the midlife plot twist redemptive? I think it is for Susan Sarandon's character.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. She, she, because she's being basically preyed upon by the, you know, Catherine. And she's like, nah, not happening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great summary of the hunger, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah no i agree and for the other two i think that it's not necessarily redemptive but they get what's coming to them
1: yeah yeah and like even david bowie like they're at the end of the day they're vampires they've had to kill people (laughs) like you know bad um (laughs) david bowie he was still you know preyed upon by Catherine and cursed with this life and cursed to you know just have a living, uh, a living death in a box and he's just, he's one of the, he like, you know, comes back at the end and, you know, teaches Catherine a lesson. Um, but, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. I think everybody gets exactly what is due to them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving along, cause we can go on for so long about each of these movies. Yes. But we're doing a good job. We've done three so far, so we just have two left. Mm-hmm. And the next movie is, I think this was my favorite movie of 2022.
1: Yeah, yeah? I think I remember that being your favorite. Yeah. It's not your, in your, in your top three, at least.
0: Mm-hmm. So the next movie is another David Cronenberg movie because midlife and body horror go hand in hand. <laughs> um, uh, it is Crimes of the Future. If you are a super movie fan, you will know that, like, this is an expanded version of a short that he made years ago.
1: Well, it's or maybe it totally was, different. It only shares the name. The okay. premise is, like, completely different.
0: Okay. So he just loves this title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is the 2022 version. It might have even technically been released in twenty twenty one in like festivals and stuff, mm-hmm. but um okay. So Crimes of the Future is Viggo Mortensen, and what's the lady? What's the girl's name? The redhead?
1: Uh, Leah Sidhu? Yeah, Leah. Le- Leah. Leah.
0: Leah. Leah. Okay. Yes. We're gonna say yes to all of it, um and they are in this like i want to say post-apocalyptic world right mm. at least i do in the I... future
1: yeah society has changed drastically and evolved humanity yeah. has evolved in it so it's yeah it is post something but the world is still intact
0: and I, I'm still going to say post, like maybe not apocalyptic in like a natural disaster way or alien way, but definitely post like maybe world war or something like it. it, There's it's run. The world is now run by a corrupt government that's trying to like crack down on a lot of new activities that come up because it's futuristic. Can yeah. you say that?
1: Yeah, Sure. Okay, it's very very similar to today in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah <laughs> uh, but it, but visually it looks different. There's like, yeah, it feels less populated. People are hiding out in weird places more. okay, and they're like wearing that it, maybe it's the clothes that they're wearing that make me feel it's post-apocalyptic. Anyway, they,
1: yeah, the characters are pretentious artists. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. It's just what they wear.
0: <laughs> you should you should do the summary because I
1: So, Crimes of the Future takes place in a world where well, it's, yeah, this world where humanity is our bodies have been evolving in various ways. I don't think they ever say what the cause of it is. It's just it this is happening.
0: Well, it's it's But the initial cause is science has advanced so much that the ways that our body kind of starts to fall apart, we've made up ways to fight against that. So Mm -hmm. instead of just aging and not being able to eat your own food, for example, we have a machine that we can hook you up to that can like help you chew and digest your food better. Or instead of feeling uncomfortable when you sleep, we've got a bed that like moves with your body to help you sleep easier.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like bodies are changing in so many different crazy ways. Like like the, the big one that they make a point of saying is that um, humans no longer feel pain and, and infection is no longer a thing. So, surgery becomes really popular, because you can do it anywhere, and there's no risk of infection, and it becomes like a fashion thing, and an artist, like, a, a human body modification becomes mainstream, and, um, and Viggo intense. Mortensen, yeah, yeah, very intense. Um Vigo Mortensen has, like, a rare disease where he still feels pain, and he has digestive issues. And that's why he has these machines that like rock him around to like <laughs> make it easier for him to s- eat, swallow things, and sleep, and everything. But he he still doesn't feel pain, and so he's a performance artist. He and Lee yes, do are performance artists. Where he has oh, I'm I'm leaving out a key thing here. He has a evolution mutation thing where he is constantly growing new organs as part of his performance art is leah seydoux performing surgery on him and removing them mm-hmm. and yeah that's the basic thing I, I know i'm leaving out more things yeah but so
0: so he's growing new internal organs we should say he's not growing like a new hand or anything <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um and then internal organs they're not really clear like if they have a purpose or not but he's not the only one that can grow new organs. And the government has set up this national registry to track these new organs. And I think you're supposed to be getting them removed so that the registry can keep tracking it, but he does it as performance art as opposed to like going a traditional route, I think. Or if not, no, no, no. You don't have to get them removed, but you have to get them like stamped or something.
1: Yeah, something like that. Like tattooed or Yeah, they go like,
0: inside and like tattoo the register. organ to register it. And so you have to basically like go and claim your new organs when they mm-hmm. come. So but they're they're not the only performance artists who are doing these like evocative surgeries in front of other people. They're not the only people who are doing, like, body mod stuff. Like, everybody's doing body mod stuff. And there are all these performance artists. Like, like there's a scene. It's, it's gross. It's gory. Like, <laughs> how, we're going to just have to describe gory things. There's a scene <laughs> where a man is just covered in ears. And he's doing, like, this weird interpretive dance <laughs> with all these yeah. ears everywhere.
1: Art, like, a lot of the artists, like, don't respect him because the ears don't work. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just like ears that have just been surgically attached to him. And they're like, Ugh, they don't even he doesn't even hear through them. That's <laughs> whatever.
0: But um, the other the other pieces, like all of these machines that we're talking about, there first of all, there is a manufacturer of these machines to like help any people who still do experience pain. There is like a manufacturer that creates these machines. And it's it, it's hard to watch. The machines are creepy in that they don't look mechanical. They look organic. Yeah. So they look like they're made of like skin and bones and they're other... Fleshy yeah, and... they're very fleshy. and And yeah, so... And there's a lot of like... Because it's a movie about surgery, there's a lot of cutting into bodies. There's a lot of removing body parts. There's... I wouldn't say there's a lot of blood, but there's a lot of flesh that is yeah. gory. There's a lot of reaching into bodies into like mm-hmm. fleshy, squishy, nondescript body parts that um, <laughs> yeah, it's not for the the weak stomachs, this movie. Yeah.
1: It's it's weird because it, it, it is gory, but I wouldn't call it bloody.
0: Right yeah everything's clean, surgical yeah 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 and there's this whole like underlying subplot about like the intimacy involved with performing surgery on another person the like tagline for the movie was like surgery is the new sex
1: yeah kristen stewart is also in this movie
0: yes
1: (laughs) and she had it's it's like my favorite performance of hers and she has the best line in the movie which is that and it one of the best lines. I'm remembering all the other ones now. um But she 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 meets Viggo Mortensen, and she is just like so into what he's doing. Yeah, and they start a relationship, and she is so weird in it and perfect. Yeah, so great. Everybody's
0: weird in this movie. Like,
1: yeah, it's. It's so weird. No, <laughs> no, nope, I love normal it. human being in this movie.
0: No, no, there really isn't. Um, but at the same time that all this is happening, and you're kind of like dazzled by the body horror of it all, we meet this other character who is part of this like underground movement, and you're not really clear on like what is happening there until the, till closer to the end. But you come to find out that this underground movement involves basically okay so like the the machine that Viggo Mortensen has to connect himself to in order to eat it's this weird chair that looks like it's made out of bones and it like moves in weird ways and it's uncomfortable to watch and he has to eat like like mush like nondescript mush and he still like can't get it down without the help of this machine He's yeah. basically like what we would consider somebody like you know in a in a nursing home like where you can't eat food anymore and somebody has to like feed you baby food but it's like that times a billion because he needs this machine to help him and i keep moving like this because this is how the machine moves to help it's, him eat. yeah it's um, so bizarre it's very bizarre and so you, we're not you're not clear on like, why can't he eat? Like what happened to him? We're just kind of accepting that he needs this help to eat. And there are other people out there who also need this machine to eat. Um, but there's this underground movement that we find out they carry around these like manufactured, they look like snack bars, like, uh, like just a little like nutrition bar kind of thing. But when they peel off the wrapper, it's crunchy. And we find out that they are actually eating plastic. And there are other kind of references to other people who also eat. They're like drawn to eating plastic. There's a lot of pushback against that. The government's trying to crack down on these people eating plastic. They're like, no, no, that's not that's not right. We we don't do that. Like that's not human. But Vigo Mortensen meets this guy who's like trying to get him to join this like plastic eaters group. I don't know. I don't, I want to say to just like run around with each other for a little while. (laughs) Stuff happens. And then all of a sudden, the spoiler at the end is that like Vigo's character has been putting off, like, I don't want to try this thing. Like, that seems weird. But he still kind of keeps looking over at it, like, maybe. And we find out that he can eat plastic. It is like the first time that he's been able to eat anything on his own like independent from the machine in a long time and we learn that basically the human bodies are evolving so that it wants to eat plastic um i think they even spell it out at some point and say like we've created so much waste that like our bodies are evolving to like consume it back mm-hmm. and it kind of just ends on that like we see him eat the plastic he's finally he finally gets relief and like fade the black basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much because the government is so against this and they recruit Diego Mortens to infiltrate this group.
0: Right. And That's right. That's so right. they can
1: so they can dismantle it. And um that that is what ends up happening, but despite that his body has evolved to where he can eat eat plastic and it's just like no matter what you do, you can't you can't stop change.
0: Yeah yeah so the midlife plot twist is that his body has evolved and um they are perceiving it as uh like a weakness that like a thing that they have to kind of make up for with all these other things but actually it's just evolved so that he his body wants to function at a new level and so Mm -hmm. are you going to like accept it or not which as somebody who is in this weird midlife phase, I'm going to say was kind of like poignant for me because bodies start to fall apart and it can be really frustrating. And I feel like, especially in, you know, this kind of like hustle culture, capitalist culture, where we just are expected to keep performing at the same level as we did in our twenties for like the rest of our lives, It was an interesting thing to think about, like, oh, maybe this isn't actually like a weakness that I'd need to fix. Maybe it's just like my body's evolving to do some other thing right now. And the idea of like, yeah, our body's changing so that we have to consume all the plastic because we've created so much waste. That has stuck with me. (laughs) I just like (laughs) there, you know, I, maybe it's silly, but that felt like a brain, like a my my uh reaction to that was like the brain exploding emoji <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just like what that's so crazy yeah
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's it's just such a that's such a critique on you know where we are going as a society and like the, the things we put in our bodies and like it, like yeah it's it's absurd and and over the top and kind of funny but <laughs> like it like of course that's what would happen <laughs> like yeah yeah. Got to adapt to it somehow.
0: So was it redemptive? I'm going to say yes. Like was Vigo Mortensen's midlife plot twist of realizing that he is a plastic heater? <laughs> is that redemptive? Yes. Because first of all, it taught him to kind of trust his body more he can't help that his body evolved to the state, but it also kind of, I am always going to root for like the counterculture underground group in any movie where the government is overbearing. And uh, yeah, it kind of opened the door for him to support this group of, can I call it a minority group in this, within this setting? Like now he's, now he's on their side and, we assume mm-hmm. that he's going to help them overthrow this government that is too controlling.
1: Yeah. it. I guess it does get kind of complicated because it is his actions that lead to that, uh, like, the leader of the Underground dying? True. I guess that is on him, but, but yeah, he, he does end up changing and becoming what the future is going to be, and yeah.
0: There's, there's like more to the underground group too. They're like... Oh, there's a whole trying, subplot with... Yeah, they're like trying to hide the fact that there's this child now who has been born as a plastic eater as opposed to his body evolving into it. Mm. And as soon as the government finds out, they know that they're going to kill this kid and they're not going to allow the public to find out. And so the group is trying to like get ahead of that.
1: Yeah. Well, they the group ropes in Viga Mortensen and Leah Sedu so they can perform an autopsy on his child to reveal mm-hmm. his new stomach that can digest. Oh, that's right. The plastic. kid's already dead. That's yeah, right. But yeah. they
0: still don't um, want the, the government doesn't want anyone to find out that this kid ever existed.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the yeah, because the the plan is to in, in the performance art, they reveal the stomach and it's like, ah, oh,
0: look at the this what the
1: Government is trying to hide from you and this is the future. And but it, you know, it doesn't go well. Um yeah. Yeah, because because the government is corrupt and being the government. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and presumably it's never quite spelled out, but we assume that like Vigo Morten's character has been growing these extra organs in order to start eating plastic, like to be able to to di- digest the plastic. And when you go into the kid. For the autopsy, it like the whole his whole internal organ structure just looks different, and you realize like, oh, this is what bodies are moving towards. Like this is our future.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they, I think they do imply that Viggo Mortensen can control what he, what he grows, like his new organs, Mm -hmm. because he like there seems to be some effort on his part when it comes to because he knows when he's growing a new organ and
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: But actually, I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. I just
0: <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to take in in this movie. Um, yeah, but there's, I there's a lot think, going on. I do think it's redemptive. Uh, it is an interesting thing to think about as bodies start to fall apart. That like maybe that just means that they're trying to serve a new purpose.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So for the for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to leave it there, even though I could talk about this movie forever.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that yeah, that sounds I think that sounds right.
0: Okay. Last one. Um, moving away from body horror and more into like the ways our minds interact with uh midlife. Our last movie is They Live. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about They Live.
1: Uh so they live is about this drifter um named nada uh, uh he's pl- played by a professional wrestler uh rowdy roddy piper rest mm-hmm. in peace yeah he's just a drifter looking for work he's homeless yeah and he meets uh keith david who all who uh lives with like a community of homeless people and um they're they just they work and they they live and uh that, that was totally accidental title drop <laughs> <laughs> okay. um uh but, uh, what, what year was this? This is 1988 by John Carpenter, uh, who did Halloween. And they they have a lot of, like, talks about, like, the system and does it work? And, like, does America even work anymore? Uh, I mean, like, uh, does it work properly? And a little guy make it anymore? And they learn that aliens have replaced all of the humans in, like, um, lofty, you know, uh, high society positions and um
0: like everyone who's a ceo or a billionaire or anyone who runs anything cops all of it
1: yeah yeah anybody who's in any sort of position of power is an alien controlling the system
0: but they look like humans
1: yeah and the only way they can uh roddy piper he um he finds these sunglasses and he uh puts them on and these sunglasses reveal the true form of these people who are actually aliens and he puts them on and the picture becomes black and white and you see them like wearing their, you know, clothes, but they have these like skeletal weird looking bug eyed, alien faces. And, um, and all of the signs and like on magazines and billboards and marketing material. And uh, it all says like, obey, consume, procreate like It's all just <laughs> subliminal messaging to control uh people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, so like you're walking down uh, he... walking down the sidewalk and you see an ad that's like uh you know for a new TV show and it like without the sunglasses it looks like a regular ad, right? Like you wouldn't mm-hmm. you would just be like, oh, there's a new TV show. But then you put the sunglasses on and it's going to say something like consume and it basically like boils down whatever the ad is to like its most like basic form. And you realize like, it's not even subliminal. It's like, it's, it's just ways to control people's minds.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like people are flipping through magazines and it's just white sheets just with big, bold, black text and just, yeah. Just telling them what to think. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And he manages to show Keith David what's going on. So they both, band together and they find like an underground you know resistance and they band together to try and like stop what's going on and like stop the signal that's transmitting all this all the uh, deceptive advertising and and, like the you know what they can see yeah yeah, that's the setup pretty
0: much so midlife plot twist is he learns that the world is being run by aliens (laughs) but like deeper than that (laughs) Deep th- deeper than that is like he it's kind of just like that glass shattering moment where you realize like oh we are all being brainwashed all the time yeah. and uh we have like there's like the appearance that we can like move up the ladder and and gain more power but really we're never actually going to get anywhere because uh we're be- we're being controlled by yeah. the people the powers that be
1: the system is rigged, and anything we do is because they allow it. Basically, right?
0: It's like the Matrix before the Matrix, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, um... <laughs> yeah. And and uh, yeah, the Rodney Piper uh, character he starts out like very optimistic, and, and in their conversations with uh, with Keith David, um, Keith David is much more cynical, and he says, "Uh, yeah, I, I follow the golden rule. Rule. Uh, he whoever whoever has the golden the rules and uh uh Roddy Piper's like no I believe in America you can still make it here it's it's you know yeah but by the end of the movie he's just like fuck this and it, it ends with him giving the finger to <laughs> to <laughs> the the transmission the broadcast and the aliens and stuff and it's uh yeah he so he's like completely different towards the end and his where he's like woken up and like he can he's he can actually see what's going on and that it's weird yeah there's nothing we can do the system is it's broken and rigged and yeah
0: so as far as was his midlife plot twist redemptive i'm going to say um yes in that his eyes are open he like learns the lesson but like does does he have any power to do anything about it
1: yeah he um because he and keith david end up storming tv station which has the uh satellite on it and it's 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 basically like the hub for where all of the controlling is done and uh all the all all the aliens like it's their headquarters he ends up blowing up the satellite dish which kind of pulls back the curtain for the whole world to see like the disguises disappear uh like the yeah the, the, the facade is gone and everyone can see these aliens for what they really are and everything is, everything's exploding and he gives him the finger and changes everything.
0: Yeah. So again, because people know this movie and maybe don't know they live, he reveals the matrix.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And then everyone's in on it basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that pretty much wraps up the movie pretty well. Do we have anything else to say about that one?
1: I don't think so. Like it, it they, it, it just has a lot of interesting themes. And like, it, it, it even shows that humans that like some people, some uh, people in these like high positions, you know, of power, uh, working with the aliens, like some of them are just are people who saw an opportunity to like get ahead and are like working with the aliens. One guy who mm-hmm. was staying with all the other people in the homeless community he he shows up in a suit later and he's like come on guys it's it's you know eat or be eaten like i'm just doing what any of you would have would have done and and it's like yeah like you don't it can the system can get anybody it's, yeah yeah
0: yeah this one is maybe the most depressing on our list <laughs>
1: but. yeah yeah but, yeah the the themes are are depressing but it, it ends in such a it's such a satisfying ending Like yeah it's yeah and oh, it's really funny. It's a really funny movie.
0: It is. It is, and it's like such a good atmospheric John Carpenter movie. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the music's always like his signature, like kind of. How would you describe that? His his sound.
1: In yeah, in most of his movies, it, it's just uh,
0: like creepy. At,
1: at, it's like atmosphere. It's it's not like. Yeah. They don't sound like songs, but I mean, everybody yeah. knows the hollow the Halloween theme. It just he's just so great at creating mood through
0: tension music. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of tension in his music. Uh, mm-hmm. The theme that they live is very. Um, it's very different. I want to say rhythmic, but like
1: it's it's rhythmic, but so it's low like tempo. Yeah, yeah, like that. I used to I used to put this movie on. <laughs> This sounds like a negative, but I used to put this movie on to fall asleep, too, because the whole, like, the first ten minutes it's just Roddy Piper walking through the city, he's got his backpack, and he's just, like, looking for a job, and he's getting job interviews, and he eventually gets a job working construction, it's where he meets Keith David, but it's just this, like, boom, 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 and, and it's just, you feel tired. Yeah, like the char- Like, the character feels tired, and it's just, like, going through the motions, and but the whole movie isn't like that, but it's it's just such a good, good soundtrack. And it's such a fun movie, especially when, when Roddy Piper, like when he wakes up and he puts on the sunglasses and he sees what's going on. He is just like, Oh, this is, this sucks. Like I gotta (laughs) do something. And he like gets a shotgun and he just starts going around blowing away aliens. And, uh, (laughs) and you can't, we can't talk about they live without mentioning
0: the fight I know. scene <laughs> <laughs> i knew you were gonna like this totally I, irrelevant to our conversation but yeah yeah it's it, great I, <laughs> you have to
1: it's so it, he, he tries to convince keith david of what's going on because he's the only one who can see this and he's been on the run from the police who are aliens and uh keith david's like he like you know runs enemies like, he's like you stay away from me i heard what you did i saw it in the news going around killing people and he's like no that's not what you don't know what's going on so it's like a a 10 minute long alley brawl where he's trying to get keith david to put on these sunglasses and he's just they're pulling wrestling moves on each other and (laughs) and smashing each other into dumpsters and cars and (laughs) and they're just like rolling around in this street in puddles just He's just like, put on the fucking glasses. And he's just <laughs> like, no. <laughs> and it was just this long, drawn out, scrappy, dirty brawl. And it's just the most fun thing ever. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's been spoofed so many times in South Park and like so many other shows. And uh, it's just, it's so comical. But like, it's, it on paper, this, all this sounds like it could be just a bad movie like and there's because there are so many bad movies where like oh god this fight scene it's so lame it's going on for so long but it's it's so intentional and like it knows what it's doing it's it's going on long because it's that's the joke like it and uh yeah it's just a
0: delight (laughs) it is (laughs) cool well um i think we've done it we listed our top 10 midlife plot twists in the world of horror or sci-fi horror i feel like so we made this list last fall in 2022 but i feel like i could already add like 10 other movies we had a couple of others that didn't make the cut some honorable mentions Mm -hmm. do we want to list them?
1: um do you have your list i remember movies that we have mentioned i think the big one uh there was one big
0: one Oh, there were two big ones. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Because I was thinking, let me look at my list. Um, I was thinking the one big one was uh, The Stepfather.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You did mention that one before.
0: Yeah. So go see those movies. They didn't make the cut for our our countdown, but they are also awesome. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: The Babadook in particular, like that is, it's a modern horror classic. And yeah, cannot... But, and it's not gory. It's just very scary.
0: <laughs> yeah. There were also a bunch of movies that we considered that um, we, again, because some decades you can age the characters a little bit more than others. I just wasn't mm-hmm. sure if they were in midlife. But, uh, yeah. you know, they're still like major plot twists. And, hey, movies have plot twists in <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of movies. Cool. So I don't know what our next joint podcast will be but I'm sure I'll bring you on again yes please (laughs) I'd love to (laughs) all right well thank you everybody for listening quick real quick I wanted to plug that I mentioned this on the last episode you can visit the buy me a coffee website if you want to support this podcast the link will be on all of the major streaming places and On my website. Um, But I'm pretty sure it's just buy me a coffee backslash Lucy Baber. Let me, yeah, buymeacoffee.com backslash Lucy Baber, B A B E R. And you can give me some financial support. There is also, hopefully, soon going to be a Patreon where you can watch these videos. So keep an eye out for that. And yeah thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And I will be around next month. <laughs> See you later. See ya. Thanks, Scott.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to midlife plot twists. Be sure to hit subscribe and check back monthly for each new episode. Since monthly podcasts don't automatically download, you can also follow me on Instagram at Lucy Baber and Facebook at Lucy Baber photography be the first to know when each new episode is released.